0: You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Mo Murtadi, and today... I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him. He is our co-founder, Mr. Michael Ruffalo.
1: I am so excited to talk about this game.
0: Oh, so am I. And the other host that we have with us today is Andy Borkowski, the host and creator of VGS. Welcome, welcome.
2: Thank you very much for having me, folks. Excited to talk.
0: Absolutely, it's it's good to have you. You know, it's it's this is one of the games that I've been wanting to play. I think it's one that I picked uh, originally, Mike, uh, way back when, and it's finally being there. added on. Yeah, it's I've got some interesting, hopefully, takes on this one. Uh, something I really like, Horizon Zero Dawn, the first mm. game. There's been a couple remakes and additions added afterwards, but we're gonna talk about the OG, the first one, the one that started it, the one that made Killzone become a little more friendly and bright. <laughs> Um, and, and so let's just get get right into it. I think uh, let's first meet our guest. Um, so Andy, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you uh, create, and how the folks can kind of learn about you.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll I'll uh, do this pitch. I want this job. i will try and do good in this interview. <laughs> Why I should be a part of your company. No. So I uh, <laughs> it's really, first of all, exciting to be talking, you know, have this Canadian podcast and talk about video games from the Canadian perspective. You know, like I, I feel like there's so much media out there in the game space. But to have something like this that, that's trying to, you know, kind of create a curated experience, bring people back into that and. And to have, you know, the Canadian Center, that stuff is really important to me. So thank you guys for, uh, you know, including me in this. Uh, excited to talk. But, yeah, I have a show. Uh, it's called VGS or Video Games sophistry It started as a terrestrial radio show. So it was literally on... AM 640 in Toronto, Sunday nights at uh, 7 o'clock to 8 or 830. And it was there for about a year. I worked there as a news anchor for uh, the better part of eight years. And I convinced them on this very conservative talk radio show, which is not what I was at all, but for some reason I, I was working there <laughs> and I convinced them with, you know, pretty pictures and numbers saying that, you know, <laughs> video games, there's this new thing. Let me let me talk about it. Right. Right. And, uh, I adored doing that. It was, it was something nice. that I absolutely love to do. The access that you got, you guys might speak to that when you're, you're developing, uh, journalism that's centered around video games back then, you know, five or six years ago. It was amazing the people you could talk to that wanted to be on the radio. And, uh, yeah, then eventually I just decided I enjoyed doing that. So much more than actually being a news anchor and and talking like this and explaining what's happening in Toronto. So instead, <laughs> I I moved over to YouTube and you're so good at that voice. Oh well, well that listen, <laughs> I'm just
0: mesmerized right now. <laughs> I've
2: been in the cauldron like for a while, folks. In. I've been in the cauldron <laughs> for a while, but uh, it was really cool because then. I was able to actually find, uh, I think, some some success on, on YouTube and other social media channels. So at last check, we're at 270,000 subscribers on the VGS oh. YouTube channel and 220, 30 uh, million views, which is uh, pretty cool. A lot of that. unreal, Yeah, it's, it's neat. A lot of it is from me talking about the lore and and the hidden stories found within video games that I just absolutely love to do so uh something like this your show is is really really up my alley and considering before we started this i had spent the better part of february beating horizon forbidden west the the sequel to zero dawn i i think that i got a unique perspective on this because my mind is just swimming in that horizon you know metaverse at this point so i'm excited to uh to get into it
0: Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, and right now, I think I'm going to pass it on to Mike to hit you with our gauntlet. Now, it's essentially our way to kind of get to know you a little bit more. These questions uh, more. are pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah. We did yeah, mean, kind of a great job <laughs> with. You did a great job giving us that pitch, but I think we really want to give All the right. uh, give the listeners a, a bit a bit of a peek behind Ooh. your opinions, and, right. uh, not only of this game but of of others. So I'm going to hit you with a couple of questions. Don't think too hard. Don't think too long. Just You know, just let it come up naturally. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Bagong! The gong is hit and we're starting the gauntlet. Have you ever pretended to be sick to get out of something so you could play a game?
2: Uh, yeah, most of the last year of high school, I, I didn't go so that I could beat every little thing that was in Skyrim. I had the strategy guide that I annotated with little, um, like post-it notes on the side. Like it was, you know, like a Bible because of all of the, uh, different little notes I added. So yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it.
1: Uh, what is your earliest gaming memory?
2: Oh, so mine is uh, Super Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers uh, playing. with, And I think this is pretty common for a lot of people in this age demo playing with my granddad and then my mom intermittently and being they were playing second player. And it's just like I remember that being kind of a cool push to what video games could be at that age when I was, you know, uh, oh, Jesus, maybe six or seven. That's amazing. And, and I know that you are able to have
1: that memory with
0: them, Mike. You have to have now ask him. It's is it, is I, it a it's, Luigi it's or is it a Mario game?
1: You know what are we doing? <laughs> what, are, what, what team okay, are okay. you on? We've we've got this running running thing. Let's see if you give the right answer. Are you uh, who is the superior Mario brother? Is it uh, Luigi Mario or Mario Mario?
2: I'm gonna go with Mario, Mario, folks. Oh, all right, oh, let's
1: just not tell Jacob about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> he may he may see it. He may. <laughs> Next question: uh, What game have you spent the most hours playing?
2: Ooh, so that's an interesting one. Uh, I am a huge proponent of all the the big RPGs that you play five or six different times, every different way possible, hundreds of hours. But I, I actually recently took a look at my uh, throughout Steam and, and saw the hours played. And my number one is—you won't perhaps believe it—Total uh, War Warhammer Two. So I'm oh, really? I'm big into the strategy games, and it is like twelve hundred hours. <laughs> like it it, it right is on. something just absurd, That's a lot of hours. Because I realize it, it kind of like people have this for like Civ or something like that. It's the games games like that. The intense strategy games are the ones I would go to. To have that, you know, meditative sort of thing. You know, people play, you know, like COD or something like that. Like, I, I'm yes. my, my hand-eye coordination is no good now. I'm too old for that. So, now it is just playing these intense strategy games that gives me my zen. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Cool. Okay. Uh, next one. What is your most controversial gaming opinion?
2: Um, okay. <laughs> I think that the self-identification of a quote-unquote gamer is a horrible, toxic thing that is ruining this culture that I do enjoy a lot and is ruining almost society as like a greater whole. I think there's even some some responsibility to be had with the quote-unquote gamer. Basically, if you, you identify yourself as a quote-unquote gamer and there's certain cultural touchstones that go with that, I think that's kind of icky. That, that's, that's not for me. I've seen the hatred that is associated with that, and I haven't seen the love. So, uh, yeah, i got to say that. I'm with you. Cool. I'm with you. Video games are amazing, and gamers are gross. There we go. Um,
1: okay, last one. What is your most favorite or memorable console generation?
2: That has got to be, and this is probably a common refrain, but the the PlayStation 2 era. I I still remember vividly convincing my parents to head over to Blockbuster and not buy, but rent the PlayStation 2 for like two weeks at a time so me and my brother could try to beat... As much of, like, uh, what is the driving game? Or Gran Turismo, as we could, or, or as far as we could in Dynasty Wars, which was a really big one in that early era. And, uh, yeah, I got to say, I've had a lot of different jobs in my life. that huge different corporations. Still, the best job for a corporation I ever had was when I worked at Blockbuster. So, folks, uh, gone too soon. Got to say. Must we forget. Amazing.
1: Well, you survived the gauntlet. Thank you so much for giving us and our viewers a little peek behind the curtain. Absolutely. Uh, I, will, I will throw it back over to Mo. Mo awesome. Where do we go from here?
0: Uh, let's just kind of break down the game. So the, the game we played was Horizon Zero Dawn developed by Guerrilla Games. Um, I actually had to do a little bit of back search because I didn't know who Guerrilla was. And when I looked into them, it seems like they were the people who created the Kill Zone series. And that was their only essentially big major title that kind of I got got their popularity going, which surprised me because of how dark it was. Um, and it was published by Sony Interactive and available on PS4 and Microsoft Windows, so on your PC, released in 2017. Uh, the general high level, exactly what it is, but we usually like to do our little one-sentence, two-sentence fast pitch, so maybe I'll throw it to you guys. Whoa. What is Horizon Zero Dawn? What is the one-sentence, two-sentence
1: summary? In one sentence, Horizon Zero Dawn... Is a mashup between assassin's creed and breath of the wild.
2: Hmm. So I would go with horizon zero. Dawn is a, an attempt to fight off techno nihilism with human frailty is what I want to go with there. Cause I I was, I I remember when this came out, I was one sentence. Why am I speaking? Please continue. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, right on i think mine would be even way more simple i, I say it's uh, uh breath of the wild if it went super saiyan that's essentially <laughs> my my in a nutshell <laughs> what the game is okay. uh, with, with that being said let's kind of talk about when the game came out do do our time capsule segment where we kind of talk about the games that came out around the same time so uh, in 2017 there was banger after banger after banger we had near automata Breath of the mm. Wild, the uh, the major game that came out with for Nintendo, Assassin's Creed Origins. I guess that's the uh, the uh, the not the most recent, but one of the more popular Assassin's Creed games. Middle Earth: Shadow of War, one of mm. my personal favorites. Classic. And Destiny Two also came out there. Did you guys play any of these games? Like, did does anything um, come to mind when I mentioned those? Because those are pretty classic games that came out.
1: You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of that at the time, this game was being received fairly well, but being completely overshadowed
2: by Breath of the Wild. And um, and have I, we seen I, I, that at all happen, maybe, with, <laughs> with its counterpart? It's a little poetic. You it's know? strange, uh, right? Like, this is exactly what has happened, and I'm taking your thunder here, but that's exactly what happened with Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. It was a week later, Elden Ring came out and, and has blown up the world. Even totally. though I think Horizon Forbidden West did things in games that, like, I haven't seen in a real long time. Elden Ring's incredible, too. But just, it's exactly like Breath of the Wild coming out how many days afterwards? About four day, three days after is in 2017 is absolutely wild, especially in 2017, considering both those games are kind of, like you said, Mo they're they're fighting for the same sort of players i think in a way where Elden ring forbidden west maybe aren't necessarily fighting for the same players but the the general culture like no one is talking about uh forbidden west now which is a bit of a shame
0: that, that's your spot on and i kind of went like an inverted style because when breath of the wild came out i didn't have a switch that wasn't a game i was like wanting uh, to play but i did have a ps4 and once I picked up Horizon Zero Dawn, I said, why do I need to play Breath of the Wild? You have a way more incredible weapon system. The, the <laughs> mechs were just blowing me away. I grew up with like Kinects and like Legos mm. and machines were just all in my brain. So it was. it almost seemed to me like, oh, it's more realistic. It seems way more vast or whatever it was. Meanwhile, I haven't played Breath of the Wild at the time. It was just my perception. I thought of it as like, oh, it's just a Nintendo kids game. I don't need to play a Zelda. So I was all in. Before even the Forbidden West came in, it was like, uh, I'm going to play it first. I'm going to play it first. But soon as I heard about Elden Ring, I waited. I haven't played Forbidden West. (laughs) I put my money down for Elden Ring, and I'm enjoying it right now. And I really want to go to Forbidden West, but it's the same. Like you said, it came out the exact same time. I can't justify the two right away. So that's where my head's at. Originally, went for it. Now I've kicked it to the side. However, I can't wait to try Forbidden West. Mm.
1: I, I also remember this game coming out and looking absolutely amazing. Like for its time, place, and moment. Uh, This game was an absolute stunner, which shouldn't be too much of a surprise, knowing that uh, the Killzone games looked really, really good, Um, really, really pushed uh, the PS3 to the limits of what it was able to to do. And um, I don't know if you remember back in the day, uh, they had released a target render of what the Killzone game, I forget which one would look like. And by the time they shipped, it actually didn't look that far off. I Mm. mean, it didn't look as good, but it didn't look that far off. And uh, Gorilla clearly has a track record of pushing up very uh, stylistic and beautiful uh, graphics. And, um, yeah, I remember looking at this game when it came out like, wow, okay, you know what? I got to give it to the Sony guys. This (laughs) does look really, really good.
0: Totally, and even like the reviews of the time, like you can see, like the the, the all the plot, all the websites, all the review people, all said similar things. Like uh, we have PC gamers review; they gave it an eighty six. Um, score and they said it's the classy sandbox that stands out from the pack thanks to its brilliant battles against an array of fantastic beasts they're touching on the, the different mechs the different open world like enemies you're facing but they all every single review kind of mentions it's a beautiful open world there are some minor flaws if you want to kind of pick at it but the overwhelming majority of reviewers are saying this is the game to play and still it was overshadowed with all the other games um, so how'd you guys play it? Um, I had it on my PS five and my PS four cause I've played it twice. Um, mm. so that's kind of what I always played it on the console. Did you guys do the same or were you guys on PC?
1: So, so I played it on PC. Um, mm. I did something out of character for me as soon as it launched on the Epic game store. I was like, Oh, this is, this actually looks good. And it's during a holiday sale. So I will, I will purchase this. I purchased it at close to full price, which is not something I, I usually do. I'm more than happy to wait for games to, to be <laughs> pretty seriously discounted. And uh, and yeah, played through it on my PC, got the uh, Frozen Wilds expansion. Um, so my experience of playing the game is not the base vanilla version. It is with the Frozen Wilds expansion, and I'm not 100% sure of the ways that this changes things. I know it adds some, I think, parts of the map and some quests that you can go do, but it also adds another part of the, the skill tree and a couple of other things that I'm sure I experienced, but wouldn't quite know how to, how to pull apart. So, yeah, a really, really uh, interesting experience playing it that way.
2: Yeah, I jumped in, of course, when it first came out. I had a review code for this game in 2017, so I was able to play this. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Sony Canada is very supportive of different journalists and and creators, and they really try to push the, the Canadian arm here is phenomenal, so I was able to get it maybe a month beforehand, so I remember just diving in in ways that I did not expect, but for this show, I I did. And, you know, I'm making some videos on Forbidden West and the general lore, so I did play it again uh, on PS5. And it is really interesting to go from Forbidden West to Horizon Zero Dawn, from sequel to the prequel of it. But, uh, yeah, if I could recall, I do think there was something a little more slick about playing it on PS5. But, again, it's been so many years that it's hard to... uh, to put that all together.
0: Yeah, and it seems like it's kind of locked into like the PlayStation uh, ecosystem because they we get it for free on the I think it's PS Now or PS Plus one of the subscriptions. You're able to play it if you have a, play, a PlayStation and the subscription, of course. So Mike, you're not even involved in the PlayStation world anymore. You're kind of detached completely. So that's why I'm surprised to hear that you bought it like on PC. I'm like, wow, that's oh, like yeah. a that's like a meta Sony title, and you're giving <laughs> the money to the bad guy. Why? why what? <laughs> what brought you to that? You know, like what was it? The podcast recording or? Was was it a game you're interested in?
1: No, I was. I was actually uh, way more interested in it before. I think we ever got to sit down and figure out what games we were going to play for the year. And uh, <coughs> yeah, it just always looked like a great game. You know, I've got nothing against Sony. I just find in a lot of cases my you know Xbox fits my needs a little bit better. But uh, yeah, if they're going to put uh, some great Sony games uh, like they have with Horizon Zero Dawn and, and now God of War on the pc i will purchase those and i will play those i might just gotcha. wait till they get a little bit cheaper but uh but absolutely i'm i'm more than happy to and, and really excited to have done it Oh, awesome. how did you play this
0: oh i played it on the playstation um i, I kind of locked into the, the world yeah i have it on playstation 5 originally played it on ps4 uh and then once i got the ps5 booted it right up because i wanted to see it in crispy detail this time even though i don't think it was much of a difference i might have had a newer tv or something um, so yeah, enjoyed it on the PlayStation. Worked like a charm. Loved the bow and arrow. <laughs> so awesome. Let's let's set the scene. Um, so essentially, what what where do we go? What's what's what is Horizon Zero Dawn? I'll, I'll take a crack at starting it off, and maybe if uh, if I miss anything, let's let me try know and build else. on it for sure. So you start off playing as a character named Aloy. Aloy is a little toddler in the beginning of the game, and it almost seems like she's a considered. She's called an outcast, uh, essentially a someone thrown away from the community. It looks like almost like a primal, like an, like ancestral community where primitive. everyone's primitive. That's the word. Uh, where you see like everyone's kind of playing a survival game. Initially, what you do, you find yourself mo- traveling around. You stumble in into like some old cave where you start seeing some high tech almost underground batman cave and you start stumbling around saying hey like i i I never i don't know what this is and what you've come to find out is there's this huge storyline of a character discovering all this technology with all these mechs moving around it's almost like it's a primitive community just copied and pasted into the uh transformers world if if that's a a better way to explain it
1: (laughs) the dinobots
0: yeah, mm-hmm. the Dinobots, essentially, because you just see a bunch of different wildlife. So you, you're throwing in this kind of confused, like, what's going on? Essentially, what happens is this character com- has a coming-of-age, almost little mini-storyline initially, where you learn the mechanics, and you learn that it's this warrior tribe that you're trying to become part of again, but everyone in the tribe is considering you an outcast and doesn't want anything to do with you. So it's like, that's that almost like, what's what's the word? It's the... The story of like trying to fit in, the story of trying to like mm-hmm. be accepted by your community, coming but also of age. the coming of age story, but also like you are like the you, regardless if they want you or not, you are a strong character and you will kind of prevail, and that's your primary goal is to be accepted, but also to, to succeed in life, essentially
1: a hero's journey. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. There, there's, there's definitely a couple threads of uh, being part of a community some threads about growing up and understanding your responsibilities beyond yourself. Um, But yeah, they, they really do start off the game in a really strong way with, with, you know, the, the light training of, of how you play, uh, but also setting up a lot of mysteries that then unfold throughout the game. Um, The moment where, and I, I'm blanking on the ceremony. Maybe, you know, the name of it, Andy, Mm. where um, your, your guardian, uh, brings you and has one of the, the the older ladies, the the matriarchs of the village, shout out your name into the mountains, into all mother. Um, I thought that was such a great moment. There was there was so yeah. much mystery wrapped up in it, uh, and yeah, came across really really cool.
2: I, I will say, and I think we didn't touch on this am we should have that at that moment in 2017, mo uh, you mentioned Assassin's Creed origins, which as I recall, if I am recalling correctly, was the game that had Oh, no, that's the incorrect game. So the, the I, I think it was I, I, I think this game was kind of revolutionary because at the time we got to have a very strong female lead that couldn't be changed to a man, which was often and still is very much the uh, the common trope. It was like, hey, we've we built the game almost twice with this other character because we refuse to just make you play as a woman because we're terrified of gamers. So I I think that very early on, the the choice to make Aloy not be sexualized whatsoever, that she's not a romantic character. She's very much a Samus, if you will, if you're you're grabbing from the genre. Oh, she's yeah. not she's not a Laura Croft. She's not a Tomb Raider. She's she's totally. you know, she's a, a badass soldier, but is still clearly feminine and this is still a daughter and mother's journey. I think was, uh, really important for that time and, and made it really stand out. The, the thing that you're all touching on that I think we, uh, kind of extends what I'm saying here was this concept that in this society, in this world, that the, the Nora tribe so fetishized the idea of motherhood. You know, their matriarchs were the people that were grandmothers and great grandmothers. They were the ones that guided their society. The question of the game was, how would you react or or deal with the fact that you have no mother in a society where motherhood is the defining factor of your culture? And right off the bat, you it's know great summation. Well you can't be more of an outcast than that. You can't be more totally, yeah. broken and the other, than this and i think that was a really interesting place to begin the story because then it also allows the the players to experience this established world sort of from an outcast eyes cuz everything is different from our experience like like you said mo it is kind of primitive tribes but there's also almost medieval level tribes that you find yeah. later in the game like there but in that world there is such a rich narrative and world building structure Uh, Gorilla made a really smart choice of making us an outsider. And then eventually, as you travel to these other locations, you get to experience the game through Aloy's eyes and also through the players. So it was never almost condescending when they said like, oh, how does this work? Like it it fit with the meta narrative in a really creative and interesting way. And I remember I was absolutely blown away, but I don't know if you all remember this. The first few conversations we're also a little demoralizing because there was such a glitch such glitches when it came to the uh, lip movement and the eye movement not matching up with dialogue. I remember that was a real mm. a real kick in the balls when it came to like wow this is written so well it's acted so well but there were just not quite there and I, it got better as the game progressed. I remember this very vividly but it was such a shame that at the very beginning you know Aloy's mouth would be moving but she wouldn't be speaking. Her eyes would be cross-eyed and looking in certain scenes because it's so photorealistic. You know, it is the real mocap that they did. But uh, you know, if you played ag- if we played it again, and after play- playing uh, Forbidden West, man, it really stands out. The beginning, especially, of just not really working.
1: <laughs> that's that's such a good
2: point because
1: this because this game looks so good and gets close to that uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. That when it goes wrong, it is really jarring. Yeah. There are there are a lot of moments in the uh, the Elder Scrolls games where things don't line up as smoothly as you'd like, or or an NPC does something that looks a little bit wonky, but it doesn't bother you nearly as much because it's never quite passable. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this is such a such a you know photorealistic. Um, you know view of these characters it, it is really jarring i didn't have that experience early in the game i was actually really impressed throughout i had it later oh. specifically with silence oh, okay. where it had that that moment where uh where they where where the the mesh on the face clearly reset and his head twitched a bit <laughs> and then went back to whatever emotion he was supposed to be having in that moment and that was the moment where i really got pulled out and mm. uh and You know it became clear like okay yes this is this is still a game a lot of this is scripted and and pulled together there's there's a lot of magic happening behind the scenes i think it's also worth noting just for the listener that we will be spoiling everything Mm. um at this expect no no stone left unturned and and if it is left unturned be pleasantly surprised when you ultimately do get there yourself
0: yeah no so that's it's a great like intro essentially that it's the, the story itself, like I said, when you you have that coming of age, you become that Nora warrior, the, the, the one that's finally accepted because you participate in an annual event where I guess like uh, amateurs or the, the, the fellow children of the community are trying to compete to become a brave, a, a soldier for the Nora tribe. The winner of this tribe, winner of this contest essentially, which is an obstacle course survival slash obstacle course, gets any wish fulfilled to them and you as a lawyer are looking at this as an opportunity to finally be a part of the community become a part of the tribe and this is your way to enter it so we fast forward well, kind of kind yeah.
1: of I'd only just tweak that like she doesn't even seem like she really wants to be part of the tribe in a lot of ways um, you know she's only doing it because everyone else has kind of pushed her pushed her to it
2: uh, um, that's not how I remember early no. on that she was like it was the only thing that mattered to her <laughs> that oh. that it, like in terms of her guardian Ross is his name that she would do like that was almost her entire childhood was predicated on this idea of training for the event called the proving I believe yes so I, I remember that being like for at the very beginning kind of the tutorial intro of the game yes. and that that first area before the proving being her one defining factor i I did want to ask you guys quickly because these sandbox games are fascinating for the different ways that people can play so i am one that will be deeply upset if i miss a data point if i miss one collectible i will obsess over it for days and days at a time so for me i remember not leaving the nora area like they say uh average play time if you finish everything was 55 hours for this game I, easily 20 hours and i was not out of the intro area oh, trying wow. to get everything so I, I like that's how i i recall playing i was also doing it it's a little different if you're doing it for youtube video content like it's totally. important that you get you every turn every stone is unturned but not unturned rather uh yeah so what about about you guys what would you uh how'd you play
1: i will i will tell you this i completed the game in 32 hours with 49.9 percent completion um, so i i definitely did do side quests um and i think i spent more time than i maybe needed to in the nora domain or in the the sacred land i'm, I'm blanking exactly that's it. Yeah, 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 that's like it. mother's heart something around there mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah definitely did not you know go go through everything um, I think <laughs> there was a point where I was trying to level up to just make sure that I was a little bit more overpowered when I went to other regions. Mm. And uh, yeah, I realized that was not the way to do it. So <laughs> beeline the story at a certain point.
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of like 50-50. Whenever I play these like open world RPGs, I, I kind of first build resources or build capacity to carry things. That's like my main thing I focus on. <laughs> if there's like a way to like level that up, that's my priority. Because so you, you hunted to a
2: lot defense. of owls then, eh? And anything
0: that Wait. moved near me that created something was going down there was no oh, way I don't think I'm I
2: killed a single owl oh man th- that was tedious in that game man I have to say I don't
1: think I killed a single owl I killed so much, so many of the little hogs or pigs or foxes whatever that are running around I killed a bunch of turkeys I killed some raccoons and foxes uh, but I didn't see a single owl or at least I had never killed any I might oh, be confusing
2: well, Forbidden West but I, I do okay. remember killing yeah. a whole ton of critters
1: yeah, it's, it's yes. kind of like
0: the name of the game. So because you have weapons, you're playing almost like a it's, it's an archer uh, main protagonist mm-hmm. and is able to collect resources throughout the map, whether it's sticks, whether it's animals, whether it's hide or materials. I, I essentially just always collect as much as I can. That way when I get into a fight, I never run out because that's my like anxiety attack level 1000. <laughs> if I'm in a big boss fight and I have no more arrows... I'm like okay, yeah. Restart. Let's let's redo this. That's kind of so, how I do it. No perfectionist, but I get what I need.
1: Mm-hmm. This game, from what I see, grabbed so much from Far Cry. Yes. Um, <laughs> grabbed how to upgrade your uh, like craft new wallets, new uh, new pouches, all of that stuff. How to craft your medicine. How to craft your weapons. It felt like so much of this was. Was lifted from Far Cry, uh, Far Cry, which is you know when I had given you my my one sentence pitch, I had I used Assassin's Creed because I think it had it was a little bit more um, direct in terms of uh, influence on opening up a, a big world and revealing the the fog. But yes, that element feels like it was lifted right out of Far Cry. Very Ubisoft influence, mm. it felt like to me. And Mo, just like you, I I also play that same way where I want to gather as many resources as i can make sure i'm just stocked to the gills uh make sure i have as much of the uh capacity upgraded as possible um so for me that was you know i was grabbing every single twig flower and stem that i that i could along the way there was there was nothing i wasn't stopping for until i was full
0: right on So what what is the storyline? What is is the absolute goal? Why is Aloy becoming a Nora Brave or joining the community? I think that the way they kind of explain it is you're essentially trying to discover your origin and also this little earpiece that you get. So something we jumped uh, ahead on was in the beginning when you're that little toddler to kind of learn the mechanics and the gameplay, you discover almost like a... Um, An earpiece that kind of becomes Google Glass, if that's a good way. (laughs) Yeah, it's called it's called a focus in the (laughs) game. The focus, and that's the core, like main mechanic functionality thing that's introduced super early. And it's if anyone's played any of the Batman Arkham Asylum games, Mm, you have that like scan where you where a bunch of things are highlighted. I love games like that, man.
2: I love having the scan. I don't know why. Like, again, I'm playing Elden totally. Ring. And I went from Forbidden West. I hated that I couldn't just press down on the joystick and get that scan. I, I don't know what it is. It, maybe it's like it's a like liminal. In you. Well, yeah. And it's that liminal, like, lizard brain thing. But, like, I just, I love walking into an area, pressing that button and going, oh, I know where all the little daisies are. I know, you know, where where the path is. Like, I I don't know what it is. But, uh yeah, Mo, if you want, I can I can jump into the lore of this game and take us through the story, just because I remember I was uh, I was jump I spent so much time analyzing all of this. So You did you did a great job setting it up. Please
1: <laughs> please take us, take so us
2: to So From that moment where Aloy is uh taking part in the proving to join this Nora tribe. The one thing she always wanted to do, she never had a mother, she was an outcast because of it. In that final moment, there's a mysterious attack from this foreign figure that we, we haven't seen before. And it looks like he's about to kill Aloy. In that final moment, his her guardian, the person that was never really warm to her, but was able to bring her to this point of, of getting the one thing she wanted, bringing her full dreams. Rost sacrifices himself to save Aloy. And it's a huge loss. She never had a mother. And now the closest thing to a father is gone. But it also sets her on her journey to follow another tribe called the Osirom. There's a member that was coming to this proving that also had a focus. And this is not something people have in this yeah. world. It's just, it, it doesn't exist. They, they don't see technology in that vein, despite the fact that there are literally robot monsters around every corner and they use the robot pieces, but they don't have access to the old world technology. It's a bit of a spoiler there, but we're going to spill in anything anyway. So, Aloy continues that journey. She goes from there to uh, different realms within this world. The, oh, and I'm, I'm, oh, the Karja. She, she then meets the, most major clan in the region called the Karja who are kind of like a an egyptian medieval style uh, tribe that worships the sun and believes in the divinity of the sun they're much more technologically advanced than the Nora and they have a big stranglehold on the region so eventually Aloy goes Throughout the world, she also discovers the the Osoram tribes, who are basically like dwarves, but not dwarves that love beer. <laughs> that's a perfect explanation. Like, it, it's exactly what it is, right? They they just that build is. machines, and they're not dwarves, quote unquote, but they build machines and love beer. Full sized dwarves, yeah, and they're big and 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 chunky and 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 you know substantial. So there's them, and then there's the Banuk tribe that believes in um, the religious interaction with these machines whereas most other people just attack these machines for you know the parts that are within and throughout her journey she gets embroiled in all the politics there's a a lot of minutiae but she discovers an individual that uh, i believe one of you referred to already silence who is another character that knew a lot about this old world that had access to a focus as well and all of a sudden the story really changes and Aloy begins to understand for the very first time that the old ones quote unquote were us, that it is a reflection of our society that due to the actions of some absolutely heinous of ultra capitalist yes essentially uh <laughs> his name was ted farrow and he created these robot swarms that were supposed to be fully automated that were required to you know just ensure our society worked <laughs> peacekeeping devices <laughs> yeah but even that they were they were supposed to take the guesswork out of war which if anyone could consider maybe war shouldn't be automated is the most obvious thing and and these machines also, very Matrix-esque, relied on the consumption of carbon, so you didn't have to charge them. So they just eat the stuff around them. Wouldn't you know it? There's a glitch in the system, and these robots decided th- who are the real enemies: humans. And they began destroying the world. Aloy discovers that there was an effort to stop this coming apocalypse. The smartest people in their society recognize a oh, way. This is the end of the world. We we did the math. This is over. And there's yeah. a woman named Elizabeth Sobeck, who was this genius inventor and biologist that created the Dun Nana Zero Dawn campaign or project. And the idea was that she would get the smartest people in the world and develop very advanced AI that would be here for when. We all died when humanity had died out and we've been destroyed by the machines we wouldn't have a chance to live, but humanity wouldn't be finally extinguished. So she was able to create terraforming processes to make sure the world came back together. Uh, There were able to break the, uh, the glitch that was with all these robots to stop that. And they had another subsystem called Hephaestus. I can keep going forever. And I might, if that's cool guys, keep going, please, please keep going. There was a subset called Hephaestus that would recreate the machines needed to help terraform and reterraform this planet. They also included something called Hades. They all had these mythical names and Hades yeah. was designed They're all Greek gods. All Greek gods, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Mo.
0: Oh, and yeah, that's that's one thing. I, I some of the ones that they created was Apollo. Apollo was the one that was meant to Oh yeah. En- encapsulate all of the knowledge, all of the de- like the development of all of humanity and that was going to create that. And Gaia was the the AI that you're referring to, the one that's going to rebuild and terraform earth all mother essentially (laughs) and i think i'm not sure if you're going to get into it but the main antagonist is the is hades who is essentially that counterbalance in case gaia something goes wrong with that there's an immediate delete functionality which is the other one Hades but yeah continue you're doing yeah no that's exactly
2: it because if you really think about it even with our own planet and I guess this is our planet uh in the developments (laughs) of you know our evolutionary process of having life on this earth there was a lot of start stops you know we had ice ages we we had mass extinctions so if the terraforming process was not leading to a moment where everything aligned. Hades would make sure that everything restarted and the planet was destroyed so they can begin again. Aloy and Silence discover that several years ago, a mysterious signal of some capacity has activated these AIs that were doing what they were supposed to do in, in the most case and were re-terraforming the planet they discovered that this mysterious signal had created actual consciousness within these AIs, which is not what they're supposed to be. Most of them are subfunctions, like they don't work that way. And Hades decided, well, now it's time to destroy the planet again. So this begins the real crisis of uh, Silence and Aloy trying to figure out who, how Hades is doing this to stop him and also Aloy's super objective to try to figure out who she is because she always had something to do with his terraforming process there's always something a little bit special about her that was kind of uncommon from other people
0: yeah and like it almost seems throughout the whole most I'd say more than halfway through the game you don't know what's going on you're essentially just oh, trying to yeah. discover yourself you're, you kind of understand there's a bad AI or something's controlling the machines silence is keeping you in the dark everyone's not being direct but you still have like that mission that you're going to find out what's going on and that kind of keeps you going so as you're exploring the world doing whatever you need to do there's still that underlying like mysteriousness of what is Hades what who is this lady like that looks just like potentially your mom because that was my guess initially Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was anyone else But when I was playing as Aloy, when I saw the hologram of the the doctor, uh, the name uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Sobeck. Sobeck. Not Elizabeth,
2: but Elizabeth, which is so annoying for doing videos, (laughs) man. I cannot tell you. I called her Liz for most of my content, man, because I just could not do it. So we're going to call yeah, her Liz. She's Liz right now. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Liz so bad. I,
0: I thought Liz was mom. I was like, oh my gosh, because like it kind of looked similar it, and I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be because mm-hmm. that would have been so easy, this hologram kind of guiding, shining the light and you're always looking for your mother or who your mother is. Uh, it's, it's kind of like that mystery never gets completely solved until you're almost right at the end.
2: Yeah, the game does that just absolutely superbly because all of this lore that I'm talking about is slowly found out in a yeah. trickle as Aloy and Silence go to these old world ruins and you discover little bits and pieces. The rest of the world is not aware of this. They don't have this focused technology. They just assume these old ones died out. Like they're not complete fools. They see that they're still, you know, remnants of skyscrapers from a thousand years ago. So they know a society existed. But I think Horizon Zero Dawn did a really great job. Of having that mystery still be present, but not telling it to you like I am right now, <laughs> because it is a little bit goofy when I just say it here like it is sci fi goofiness. <laughs> but when you're discovering it, 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 it really does contextualize the character in ways that a lot of other games don't they do a great job of drip feeding it to you because if you got it all in one go
1: like I think you're doing now you're like man this game's dumb and goofy as hell (laughs) Um, but because there there are real moments where I was like I can't tell if this is brilliant or if this is extremely dumb and I kind of just ended up at the end of it saying like I like this enough that I don't care if it's really dumb. Like there are there are moments where, you know, people say fire and you're like, how would they know that fire is supposed to be like, shoot your weapon, uh, like a remnant from yeah. firing the gunpowder, you know, that they never actually ever experienced um, in, in the development of. Uh, so there, there was all these like weird wonky, dumb things, but on the whole, especially when they drip feed it to you, you're like, oh, this is so good. There's all of these little bits that are coming together and painting a richer, more colorful picture of what's happened in this world.
2: Yeah. And I yeah. think that is, you know, this is not the only story that's happening, too. There is also the uh, primary narrative Of, you know, what the Karja tribe has done. They were this horrible tribe that did atrocities and sacrificed in the blood rituals. So many other tribe people in uh, modern day Horizon Zero Dawn. And now they're, they're trying to atone for it and kind of have a peaceful society. But the machines are becoming much more deadly. And that has everything to do with what's happening to Hades. So every time you learn something, it's also not as if like the rest of the world just figures it out. Like it's it's funny that in this game, Aloy and silence are pretty much the only people that know what has gone on in the history of the world. Like it's not a shared truth, which I think also adds a real interesting kind of um, great man quality to. Aloy that a lot of games need she doesn't have superpowers you know she can't she's not necessarily stronger or smarter or faster than anyone else why are we playing her what makes her the protagonist well she has the ability to use a focus and see things that no other human being can and she knows hidden histories about the universe that other people don't so yeah I couldn't you know very quickly finish her off if if y'all want just with the the main narrative yeah so at that point, everything kind of coalesces into one moment. There's these, this big attack, and it's at that moment that everyone comes together from different tribes. It's, it's, it's very... Uh, wonderful. I love games like that where you go to a different area and, you know, that Banuke person will be your person for that area. So you understand the area and the culture of it based on your interactions with that NPC. It's classic storytelling. It's the stuff I used to love in, like, the original Fallout games. Like, I just, I really adore that and wouldn't you know it, in the final battle they all come together and they stop this threat. It's at that moment or a little bit before that moment, it kind of sets the stage where we discover the biggest hidden truth about this world and Aloy herself, that Aloy is in fact a clone of Liz sobat that Gaia sent out into the world after... She realized that, you know, she that guy was getting killed by Hades and she just thought, you know what, this is a gamble. But if Liz was such a special, amazing person that she was able to create Zero Dawn and save humanity, maybe Aloy could, too. And I remember a moment when that was revealed that uh, Ashley Birch, who plays Aloy and does a phenomenal job, really captured something that I don't think other video game protagonists do. And even in Forbidden West, I hadn't seen this moment when the rest of the world is being destroyed. When, you know, everyone should care about the big monsters that are attacking Meridian and everyone's going to die. All that Aloy cares about is the fact that she does, that she is a clone and she wants to find the grave of her quote unquote mother. And mm. that almost selfishness and like obsession in the face of real tragedy is how human beings react human beings do not jump headfirst into tragedy with their you know their chest puffed out and a sword and shield in one hand and said at thee no they think about the people they love and why they did this aloy started this whole journey because she wanted to feel like she belongs and this is the last piece so i i really got to the developers on on making those moments really do stick out in some incredible ways and just to finish off the narrative real real quick there was that moment when you beat the game and everyone's happy oh no that mysterious signal goes to silence lantern and he runs off ha 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 what am i gonna do with this so (laughs) setting up the uh inevitable sequel
1: I hated that moment at the end. I thought <laughs> I thought it was easy. the the most magical wonky BS
2: yeah. of this
1: this red signal just shooting through the air like it was like physical like a physical manifestation after you had just jammed an override deep down within it and it had effectively should have killed it as far as we know. Um, which also like if we take a step back like as much as I love the story and love how well it was written I think there's like a really dumb wonky bit where it's like the way that you kill this AI software piece of you know uh, is by physically jamming an, an orb inside <laughs> of it. Um, which you know, I I've got other things to. Isn't that to how you fix about, you never <laughs>
2: fix your PC that way?
1: <laughs> That's how I fix all of my computers yeah. and all my consoles. I just <laughs> I just jam a rod in there while it's plugged in and hope that I don't electrocute myself along the way. Um, but I I have to bring this up because you mentioned uh, Ashley Birch. I have been a long-time fan. Like mm-hmm. I I watched a ton of Hey Ash, what you playing? Yeah. Um, I I've been there for for a long time, but it was so tough for me to play this game and hear her because I had also been playing life is strange at the same time and hearing a lot of Chloe and it just felt like so much of the same. It felt like so much of the same snarky quirky in the same voice. Yeah. And it just, it really made me wish we had more diversity in voice actors Mm. or voice actresses to just get more different voices out there. Um, because I, I do think she does a great job, but I think the fact that the character is similar in, mm. in a lot of ways to other characters she's played
2: really pulled me out of it a bit. It's not like Nolan North does the same voice for every you know generic white dude that exists <laughs> so, though here, bro. Like, come on, <laughs>
1: absolutely. No, I, look, and that's why I feel weird saying it, but I, I do. It also does bother me. Yeah, when yeah it's bothers you. It bothers you being Nolan North, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I just want more people doing yeah. good voices in video games.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I Mike, I, in, you mentioned the, uh, the final Hades fight, like when you're stabbing it physically to destroy it. I had the little like Jacob McCourt in my ear saying like, he's a big proponent of boss battles are trash now. There's no such thing <laughs> as a good boss battle. And this kind of, made that point too because you're building all this up you're finally fighting hades there's essentially the robot that you're fighting that's fighting for him but yeah at the very end of it is definitely not as satisfying but i had such a blast playing that game the little magical hades flying away jumping into the lantern as corny as it was that got me excited i'm like hey there's definitely going to be a sequel and Mm -hmm. i had so much fun playing it that kind of gave me that like thumbs up yes we're going to have something coming in the future and it's going to be fantastic even if they just hit the bar that they've already set
1: I, I will also say I love the fact that they not to say yeah like I love the fact that they played that they built silence as the character that he is I was struggling to figure out how to say that because he is just purely a scientist like yeah. he is purely someone who wants knowledge for the sake of knowledge and he's willing to do just about anything to get it uh, and I think that they played that in such a such a great way because it there, there was almost no judgment in it. It was, I will own up for all the mistakes that I've made, mm-hmm. but this is a pure ideal, which seems so foreign to that culture. It's mm-hmm. really interesting to see him be the, you know, to essentially have a, a rationalist or enlightenist uh, perspective in a world that is techno primitivist at best he's perhaps you know, an
2: outcast would you say exactly
1: exactly exactly i, I so, wanted to anyways. ask you
2: guys you know I, I i remember back to 2017 had you ever played a game like this where and we haven't really talked about gameplay and i've been monopolizing so much of this so i do appreciate you guys letting no, me. no no we
1: appreciate you carrying us too. Yeah, listen is-
2: just relax put your feet up i'll just talk by myself here. <laughs> but i i remember the the sliding mechanics That slow down time with your focus. And then as you're sliding about, trying to snipe off select pieces of these massive machines so you can get those really tiny little weak points and then maybe throwing down some traps. There's one game that I kind of remember, and this might be a weird stretch, but I remember when I played Bioshock 2. I really loved setting up like the dozens and dozens of traps around. But yeah, for you guys, having the fluidity of movement with that was kind of new. Like I didn't really remember an experience. Excuse me, that is uh, analogous to that.
0: There's a uh, a running theme with me, Jacob, and Mike. And there's a game I absolutely love, and I was hoping you would say it was like (laughs) it. I was fingers were crossed. But uh, Far Cry Primal. (laughs) Oh. So the the mechanic's very similar. One of the reasons why I compare it to the two is one thing I used a lot in Horizon was the override functionality. Mm-hmm. I leveled that up first. That was like, yeah. just just like you, Andy, I'm a huge uh, strategy game player. So I love seeing the situation and kind of mapping out like, okay, how are we going to like destroy everything in like the easiest path possible or whatever it might be. So using the focus and kind of... One, th- one thing we haven't touched on is there's a lot of like mechanics in the game when you're fighting, one of which each enemies like following a path that you can kind of see with your focus so you can prepare your fights so like that's the one game i can definitely compare the two because in far cry primal you can have an animal companion coming in to like fight an individual you get to camps where there's multiple people and you have to decide okay take the take the like the announcer guy the person who like blows the horn that person has to go first or else reinforcements are coming that mechanic i definitely connected with far cry primal and i because i love that horizon uh, Zero Dawn was an easy like for me.
1: Mo's most been trying to get us to play that game for a long time. One so, day. Uh,
2: what I, Dude, one I love that is- game. Far Cry Primal was phenomenal. I'll talk about it right now. I'm, we're going to derail it once more. I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to go to Ubisoft Toronto when that was coming out. And I interviewed the the guys that, there's a whole team, that made the language and like actually referenced the wow. uh, Paleolithic um, I guess, not influences, but real text that led to this language. And, Mo, you're going to be so jealous. I w- then put on the suit, the mocap suit, oh. and did a little scene. You can actually see it's an old, old video from so many years ago, but it's actually on VGS right now if you do want to check it out. Because, anyways, yeah. that's a phenomenal game. Continue.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just the one game I definitely compare the two with.
1: What I would say is, I, I think you make a really good point, that this game brings all of these mechanics together in a really clean combo. Um, I don't, you know, I feel like it's it wasn't novel for me in that way, mm. but it did feel like it was very polished, that it all worked together very, very well, and I didn't really get frustrated with any, any one of them. You know, I enjoyed sliding around. I enjoyed yeah. hiding in the bush. I enjoyed the, the matrix time, the slowdown. Um, every every bit of it, I thought, played together really, really well to create really satisfying combat. And because so much of the game is combat, whether you're fighting a giant, you know, techno T-Rex or uh, a little, you know, fil- velociraptor or, um, you know, antelope or whatever it ends up being, you um, you're, you're always in some type of combat and, yeah, comes together really, really smoothly, really, really well.
0: Is there any uh, mechs or machines that kind of you vividly remember, like, holy smokes, this is sweet, or ones you hated or really didn't want to be in the next, like, mandatory fight?
1: So I, I, I have to go here. The, I was super impressed by the Sabertooth mm. because that was the first time I was like, oh, they got, they got big... I knew there was a big T-Rex in there, but I didn't realize how much they had filled out the in-between but the moment where i was just like oh i love this is when you face and i'm blanking on their official name but it's basically a rhino it's basically a rhino that's (laughs) gigantic and it's what i would assume it's on the same you know difficulty level or tier i think as the t-rex is um And when I had to go take one down, it was in a group of two or three. Um, So it felt that much more challenging. And taking one of those down just felt absolutely amazing. Uh, It was was like a moment I will not forget.
2: Hmm. What about you guys? What stood out to you? Well, I think that the easiest one, and the game does prepare you for it, is when you see a thunder jaw for the first time. So that is the biggest, you know, creature in that game. Uh, the game wants you to know like okay, before this point you have probably been able to, you know, muscle your way through most of the other robots that you fought. This one you actually have to like care about certain mechanics. So I remember that the first time you fight a Thunderjaw versus like one of the last times where you're so set up like you you can throw down, you don't even need to do traps. You you know the fight. Is what I think a lot of people love from any sort of video game is the idea that now you've learned and you've mastered it I do remember my most hated one let's I'm, I want to make sure I'm not equating the two games so I have the wiki out right now to make mm-hmm. sure that it's not in forbidden west yes okay so long legs are also in zero dawn yeah. and those damn ostriches Yep. were what I loathed because I you would them. work so hard to set up little traps, or you want to go stealthy or set something up, and their whole move set was just leaping at you fifteen times in a row. Like a little bit broken, in my opinion, really. But uh, that, and I think maybe a rock breaker was a little bit annoying, but pretty cool yep. of the different monsters yep. you could find.
0: No, totally. I think those ostriches like shot like an audio blast as yes. well. So they they had speed. They had they could surprise you. You had, you fire. had to move.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's every machine is able to be taken down one of the things like with the focus it, the best mechanic I think is if you've fought them before or you've used a weapon that's effective you remember it so like it'll show you hey this person has a soft gas like maybe like a uh, gas tank underneath the belly and it'll be highlighted like this is super effective with uh, the fire arrow or with fr- ice or whatever it might be um, for for me though it was the the rock breakers that I love, but I also was terrified of, and I've, those are yeah. the ones I've ran away from the most because it was just <laughs> they dove underground, so you almost like never knew where yeah. they were coming, and unless I needed to go like a certain path, I didn't engage with those. Yeah, uh,
1: what's what I loved is how many, how full they made the ecosystem mm. of these robotic animals, um, <laughs> because every biome that you went to had different ones. There were yeah. the I'm blanking blanking on the name, but they were stealthed. They were basically like oh, jaguars. Oh, stalkers! Stalkers, stalkers. stalkers yeah. yes. There were uh, thundermaws, which were basically huge alligators that were yeah. both in water and out. And you just, you just knew, like, you know, alligators had been around for millions, hundreds of millions yeah. of years. Uh, that if a computer figured out a way to make a, a better version of an alligator, you're in real trouble. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I loved the way that they fleshed out the whole world with all kinds of diversity of these of these animal types. Um, I'm actually in retrospect kind of surprised there weren't more alligator variants mm-hmm. uh, considering it was it's such an efficient uh, form of animal.
2: I do know that there. it was like one of the most annoying things about this game when it was first released was that a lot of the marketing material showed these amazing animals, these uh, robots and your ability to override them meaning in om- many cases that maybe you'd be able to ride them. When I believe in Zero Dawn, the only ones you can ride are one completely useless just horse animal. And everyone in the first game just wanted to ride like a stormbird. Like I even think that was in oh. some of the advertising material that you could do that. And the fact that you couldn't, I feel like was a big misstep. And you know, very, very light spoilers for Forbidden West, the lightest. They do make changes so you can do more of that in the sequel, but I still like it's it's such a travesty because you build these incredible living creatures. You have the ability to override them. They're already doing that. Like, I I really think it's almost a necessity that you can ride and interact with almost every single one like i think that was a big misstep for uh this game at the time and even still maybe it's more difficult than i'm giving credit for but uh i, th- I think it's pretty essential
0: yeah i think it was only like the the steed looking yeah. animals because there was a couple like different types there's like a longhorn with like the wide texas longhorns there was like, one that looked like a ram and then there was some without horns but one of the things i also liked was all the different like met machines had their own like uh like not emotions, but they—they they all felt different. Like some of them were more skittish. Some yeah. of them would like come investigate you a little bit more. And some, if they saw you, they're coming
2: for like—they're they're, going to show you like the, the two-piece combo, like the one-two. Like. <laughs> and they yelled so, in that robot way too. Like I, God, I 100% know what sound. you mean. There was personality in Personnel, them from yeah. how they interacted to when you started attacking them, and the audio design in this game really is so phenomenal good. like it, it's so, maybe so we take good. it for granted a little bit but how often do we get new ips that are not yes. just a retread of any sort of fantasy story like even if it's a new ip it's like wait a second you know it's nolan north again <laughs> but this had <laughs> a unique premise unique characters an interesting mystery and is setting up uh, absolute sequels even possible trilogies of game franchises like that I'm, I'm trying to think of new games that have done that in the last three years and i'm kind of blanking a little i'm sure people will explain how wrong i am and i'll i would listen to that wholeheartedly but i i, I think that that this game did that in ways that i did not expect And, uh, yeah, it's a great legacy. Like, if you haven't played Forbidden West, it really does build on this in interesting ways. So, uh, yeah, this was honestly a real pleasure to play. This is kind of my final thoughts on it a little bit. Uh, It was a pleasure (laughs) to play. There were some of the technical issues that, that did take me out of it. But at the time, the dueling narratives and Aloy's, like, introspection of both of that with combat systems that worked with a world that was fascinating in the history of it, the world building and even the current day. Like I got deep into the tribal lores and like their religious symbols and stuff like I love that stuff and uh, you don't see a lot of games that do that. So it, I think it's a real hidden gem. If it's free on the PlayStation now network or anything like that, you gotta, you gotta dive in cause it is it's really worth your time. Heavy, heavy recommend.
0: Absolutely. I have a similar uh, review of it as well. It's one of the best games I've played. Um, and, and for me, it, like the story was great, but it was just the you being in the wild. There were so many just unique experiences from climbing the tall neck, which is a supersized giraffe, seeing the lay of the land to even entering a new like open cavern and seeing a thunder jaw walking in the distance and going, there's no way I'm even looking at that thing because <laughs> if it sees me, it's, it's over. So there's so many new experiences I had in this game that I didn't have in any others and the vastness of it the communication I I don't know if we have even touched on it you can have like a positive negative Mm. or like an in-between response to some dialogue and that has like repercussions down the line there were so many small mechanics added in that I I absolutely adored it and I'm glad I actually played this before Breath of the Wild because I I, to be honest I like it more than Breath of the Wild and that's my new controversial opinion well let's not
1: talk crazy let's not (laughs) talk that
0: (laughs) exactly that's my controversial (laughs) opinion Horizon Zero Dawn is better for me you know
1: one of the things that you guys had, I think Andy, you had mentioned this setting up traps. Uh, I could not figure out how to use any of the traps effectively. Oh. I never, never did. I used a lot of the, the, the trip wires yeah that's traps uh, and that's traps. Up everywhere. Yeah, yeah well yeah. i mean there are literal yeah. traps yeah. in the game as items that you can place around and i remember uh setting up a bunch and none of them going off yeah that sucks and thinking like okay well <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't figure out how to use this so i'll never waste i'll never waste this again but uh but yeah there's there's so many bits of this game that we could get into that uh you know whether you're whether you're uh whether your responses are from the heart with your head or or fiercely fighting um how the cauldrons come in and and how many of those you went to to tackle and how what your upgrade path was i think we could probably talk for days on the different ways that we we ultimately did those um but yeah what what a honestly a fantastic game i i paid full price for it i'm i'm Glad that I did. I'm excited that I got to play through it. There's still chunks of the map that are unexplored for me, Mm -hmm. and who knows? I might go back and and do that just to just to see what I what I haven't experienced yet. Cool, cool.
0: Totally. Fellas, it's been a, a pleasure talking about um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn with you. Um, maybe I'll give it give you some time, Andy. Anything else you want to tell the crew? Let them know where
2: you're, uh,
0: where you're, where you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: well. Thank you guys for for having me. And if you enjoyed listening to me talk about the lore of video game, this this is a very. I should really thank you guys because this is a real great advertisement for the stuff I do on VGS. <laughs> Completely monopolize and go in depth on the lore a video game so if, if you are interested in that if i'm about to start a uh, a series mayhaps on elden ring and the lore there which is confusing as hell but uh, yeah head to uh vgs video game sophistry on on youtube and you'll have my show and i'll be uh pleasure to have you there thank you guys again for having no, me thank on. thank you thank you for
0: coming awesome um, so yeah, that's our that's our show today. If uh, you haven't followed us, we are on all the social media platforms. So follow us on Twitter at Left Behind Game Club, on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club. And also on Discord, which can be found on our website. That's leftbehindgame.club/discord. When you hit that URL, it'll send you directly to our server. We can come chat with everyone in our community, learn about some deals, about the games that are coming up. We have some uh, channels now also for Elden Ring, for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Life is Strange series, and we like to talk about everything. And you can find me on almost all social media platforms, at Um uh, Mike, where can the fine folks find you?
1: The fine folks can find me on many places online or most social places online at Ruffalo M or MichaelRufalo.com or .ca because you got to lock down both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, also in my free time, when I have that, it seems like it's fleeting these days in the Discord server where, uh, you know, talk with talk with people about great deals, cool games, uh, hot takes. That's That's kind of our jam. But uh, Mo if, if that's all for this episode shall I, shall I close us out? Uh, let me do the one last thing.
0: Also if you okay. enjoyed the show, do us two favors uh, if you could send the podcast to a friend. We'd love to kind of get this community growing as well. And if you are have us on iTunes, please leave us a five star review. That's the best way to kind of help this podcast.
1: Mike, please do
0: what do we tell them?
1: And that my friends, is one less game left behind.
2: we <music> Hey, I'm Jacob McCourt I'm Katie Lesbrantz And I'm Travis Colnett.
0: We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes There are tons of video game podcasts And tons of TV film podcasts But we're going to bring you the intersection of both And talk about video game movies and TV I know what you're thinking Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong Some of them are fine And we're going to tell you all about them Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod And most importantly Give
2: us a listen See you you soon.
0: soon.
2: Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast.